Hey there, it's your host Nandini, and I'm so glad you could join me in building this network of evolving humans. Welcome to Enough Unsaid. Childhood trauma. What a heavy term. It's defined as an event experienced by a child that threatens their life or bodily integrity. But that event hardly remains as a single event. It acts as a building block that continues to grow, sometimes without any conscious effort. And there's an excessive amount of research done on this. The immediate physical effects of trauma, how it impacts your nervous system, your gut, your neurons, and the stored emotional trauma that then becomes the foundation for how one sees the world and themselves. To combine all of that scientific information into a simple term, I will put it as the issues are in your tissues. It gets stored. It's funny how much of a brown kid's childhood is spent in survival mode. We laugh at this when we talk about our common experiences, but it's not normal. So many of us had to predict the mood of the house and tiptoe around it. Seeing your dad be violent may have been okay. Being your parents' therapist at age 10 may have been okay. A tense situation at home suddenly became your responsibility, and it was your job to fix it each and every single time. That was your first building block. And this got stuck in your brain as, if there's a problem, I must abandon my emotions, help the other people, ease out the situation, and that's how things come back to normal. That's how I receive love. So your brain went, situation is tense, I'm going to abandon myself, this is how I'm going to get love. Tense, abandon, love. Tense, abandon, love. The problem is that if you don't attend to these blocks, they just keep building and it shows up in how you conduct your personal life, your professional life, and just who you are as a person and how you identify with yourself. If you don't heal what hurts you, you will take it out on others. And I will say that it is never your fault for what has happened to you. You couldn't have chosen the parents you were born to. You couldn't have chosen the tendencies that your parents had, but it is your responsibility to fix those things. One of the most common things that I hear about and see in Southeast Asian kids or people in general is this term called people pleasing. People pleasing is this unsaid deal that I will go out of my way for you and in return you will love me and appreciate me and I will feel wanted and needed and that's what you thought was normal. The problem is that as you grow older you hold on to this idea and when the other person doesn't hold up their end of the bargain you become resentful. The reality is they never signed on that deal. It was just you. It was you reacting out of your childhood tendencies. Now people pleasing is a new term and you hear it a lot more now than you ever did before. But if you think about it, it's the crux of a brown family. Your parents pleased their parents. Your grandparents only did what their parents told them to do. People have gotten married to strangers for the sake of pleasing their families. People have stayed in horrible marriages. People have chosen career paths because that's what they needed to do to keep their families happy. Even Indian films propagate this idea. How many times have you heard the father of the uh, actress say, if you don't do this, I'll die. I'll kill myself. I'll do something. Like that's manipulation. But it was propagated that your job as a child was to please your parents. And it's a common thing that you see even in kids of immigrants. I feel like somewhere we all think that we need to repay our parents. And you do that by forsaking your feelings. Now that's enough of me talking. Today, I want to bring on somebody I have personally seen take their childhood traumas, take their tendencies and use it for the better. 
I want to bring on Harishri. Our own parents try to people please others in society. Right. Well, they're just perpetuating their ideas from another country because we are immigrants at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Um, these are all ideas and notions, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. that have carried on since time. Um, so just going back to your first point um, about that you mentioned, like trauma getting stored in the body. That's a really amazing point. And I just want to bring in an example that kind of speaks to me and my personal experiences. I remember developing uh, from a young age of like FOMO, fear of missing out. Yeah. And I think that whenever I was in high school or like in middle school, I was like looking at like activities on social media and thinking, oh, damn, I wish I was there. Yeah. I've always had like a very like vibracious like outgoing personality where I really wanted to like be involved with people see who's out there yeah and I remember thinking I can't because I'm I got so tired of hearing the word no from my parents the fear of displeasing them the fear of that was greater than the fear of me potentially going out like it was a burden so I started to like become a recluse like I would just started slowly withdraw from all social activity you know the answer is going to be no so why bother I reached a point where I became so mentally drained yeah from for my environment. And like you said, this has really bad impacts on a developing mind and a developing body. Yeah. So trauma inherently got stored in my tissues. Yeah. In my own family, my dad would resort to anger, which is a yeah. bad coping mechanism. Right. I, I soon discovered. And um, he also had his own mental health issues that were ignored because this is like a stigmatized topic in our mm-hmm. community, right? Um, for men. Yeah. Exactly. And like you mentioned, if we don't heal from what hurts us, we take it on others. Mm-hmm. So this happened to me where I developed my own violent tendencies, where I would repress my anger for my dad and my and my family and then project it on others. This but you fact- would so but would you like when you were suppressing those emotions on the outside, you would still be pleasing your parents. You just wouldn't be saying anything. Exactly. And I think um, it comes from like the notion, like you said, like we have to take care of our parents, we have to respect our parents, not yeah. up. When you're raised in a very people pleasing environment, it's yeah. really hard to speak up. And I recognize that. Like it's really hard to speak up against the power that's holding you back or say something, voice your concerns. It's really yeah. hard to say something because you've been raised in an environment where your parents dictate your every decision. Yeah. And you didn't have a point of reference, right? You didn't know that that wasn't normal because like I said, even movies showed you those things or your cousins did the same thing. So it wasn't abnormal. And the problem is that because there's a cultural force to this, that never goes away with age. Even if you get older, some people will still continue with that and still their parents will continue to, you know, show their authority over them. And this brings back a concept of power, I think, mm-hmm. in families were and it's specifically in like the Indian culture yeah. where parents try to control their kids and what's a way to control them through people pleasing if it's it's yeah. a form of relation and the equation is very simple right if you for example like your situation you want to go out your dad is upset that is uh, you know a behavioral instinct in you to be like oh dad's upset I can't go out so you do something to make him happy he's happy you're like okay situation is calm now it's gone and then it just continues that loop continues that if it's a tense situation you have to fix it and then it's okay and another thing about manipulation is that once you start feeding into it mm-hmm. they, they know that it affects you so it gains momentum it basically tells them okay she gets affected or he or she gets affected by what i do let yeah. me perpetuate this further let me continue this again and again and it yeah. becomes a cycle you have to recognize that because yeah. It's breadcrumbing, right? It's like giving you it's sort of like it's sort of like guiding you to a process where you're stuck. And once yeah. you get the cycle, you're stuck. Yeah. You can't yeah. get out of it. 
And like I said, the issues are in your tissues, right? If you had the physical sensations of anxiety or your heart dropping into your stomach, even if you're 25, maybe when you were younger, something had happened and, you know, you got into trouble for something and that just stuck with you. It got stored within you. And so now you aren't able to move forward from it either because what you did back then was you pleased them to get out of the situation. So now you think, that's what you have to do. So it's a cycle that just gains momentum and never stops. It kind of comes back to the point of like manipulation. Mm -hmm. Um, They're upset and we have to try to please them. And that way we have love. And that love seeking behavior can really have negative effects on a child. They're basically teaching us that love is conditional at its core. And this is again, passed down. Like I said, it's not your fault that you became a people pleaser. That was the situation you were in. That's what you had to do to get love and appreciation which should have been the most basic thing given to you as a kid but you didn't so to feel a sense of security to feel a sense of warmth and appreciation you became the kind of person who did these things like you mentioned it doesn't just impact you know the relationship that you have within the family how you think you should be getting love what you need to do to get love but it also impacts your identity like I know you personally to be an extroverted individual it doesn't really matter whether you're an introvert or an extrovert if the situation around you causes you to abandon yourself that's too expensive like that's not worth the price of going through it the fear of displeasing them is greater than actually displeasing them the fear comes from the years of momentum that you've built up in your head where if you displease them, you're not going to feel safe anymore. You're not going to feel the love anymore. And you're stuck in the mindset of that child that you were, that you had to do these things to get love. Um, I just remember thinking like my days were very empty. I didn't feel like expressed. I'd, I just didn't feel like talking to my parents. It kind of yeah. severed and damaged my relationship with them too. Definitely. For many years. And I just remember kind of having resentment towards them. I really resented them for most of my life. Exactly. And that's something that people don't really recognize about people pleasing. It's not the same as being nice. It's not. It's it's the combination of abandoning yourself for the sake of getting validation, external love, external safety, with ultimately also trying to set up your outcome. So in a sense, you also end up becoming a manipulator in other ways, because that's how you know you're going to get love. So you do things not for the sake of being nice, not for the sake of just doing something, but because there's a transaction in your brain that if I do this, then I can mold the situation to receive the love. You do end up becoming a manipulator. And I know that's like, I know I'm going to get messages about that not being the thing, but it's, it is true that people pleasing is not being nice. It's you becoming a manipulator. It is because if you think about it, love should not be conditional when it comes to a child, it's your child. So how can you manipulate your child to thinking if I get them to do what I want, then I'll love them. I'll give them a silent treatment. Do you know how bad that is on a child's well-being and stuff? And then that's how you think it works for everybody, right? Then you become the type of person who gives silent treatments to other people in order for them to react to or you become the kind of person who you don't communicate yeah you don't communicate and it it makes sense right like you teach them that like if I don't talk to you you're gonna do what I want and then I'm like that's that's manipulation at its core so if you think or if anyone out there thinks it's not manipulation it is sometimes people get into this uh you know this hole of self-pity and it doesn't really get you very far So it's really about seeing what you can do, at least for yourself, because there's only a limit to how much you can blame your parents for. There's only a limit to for how long you can blame other people. Like you can sit there and mope about your past and justify your behaviors about what's been done to you. I realize that. And and I completely understand that. But at the end of the day, 
if you perpetuate those same behaviors and those same actions of other people and you're not healing yourself, that's on you. You have to heal from this, especially being in a country where resources are available to you. Yeah. Um, try to get more awareness about just the fact that you have certain behaviors that are considered mm-hmm. manipulative or, or toxic and try yeah. to heal those things in order to heal the next generation and, you know, work on 100%. that. It can be difficult to recognize that exactly. you're a people pleaser, but there are a few signs that we will go through as we continue on this episode that you can use to realize whether or not you're a people pleaser. Because again, I want to reiterate the fact that it is not your fault that you became a people pleaser. It is not your fault that these things got stored in your tissues, but you can work on it and be responsible and take accountability for yourself so that you don't then perpetuate these people pleasing tendencies with your family and with your future. 100%. I didn't even know that I had this need to please people mm-hmm. until I moved out. And that's when I started making my own decisions. And it felt weird at first, but it was a very gradual process of letting go healing that inner child. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, wow, like I can actually go out. I can, I don't have yeah. to ask anyone. I don't have to like tiptoe around someone's mood or try to figure out what their mood is like before making my plans Yeah, or trying to finish stuff just so I could go out. Yeah. And having to finally express my personality was a huge barrier. And that sure. when, when I broke that feeling so relieved, feeling so stress-free, finally yeah. healing my mental health, getting more awareness for this people-pleasing concept really helped me as well. Yeah. And just the fear of people-pleasing, the fear of hearing no and having to do that became like such an unknown concept to me towards the end. So the yeah. point where when I came back home <laughs> after like being at university, I just remember thinking, no, this is not normal. That's not normal. Realizing these things can really help you. It, it, it takes a long time to get there, but I assure you it really becomes like a feeling of like relief. It's liberating, right? And changed your environment which gave you the opportunity to heal and then when you came back to the environment you were like wait a minute this does not feel normal so yeah and I agree that it's not something that happens overnight because we have to remember that these people-pleasing tendencies that we've all built up is years and years in the making with yourself and then with your parents, years and years of making with them, been a part of our culture for as long as we can remember. So it's not going to go away overnight, but like you said, the awareness of it is so important because then you can start realizing where you're lacking and where you're clinging on to certain behaviors that you probably shouldn't be. So actually, that's a perfect way for me to talk about some of the common signs of people-pleasing can help you bring more awareness about your tendencies if you have these things. So number one, you have a difficult time saying no. People pleasers have this need, like an absolute need to immediately provide an answer or to ease out the situation. Again, it goes back to your childhood. Something was tense. You knew that if you reacted and smoothened things out, then everyone would love you again. So you can't say no. If somebody asks you to do something, you say yes, not for the sake of being nice or helping somebody out, though that might be a part of it, but it's also so that you can feel loved and needed and wanted. Number two, you are preoccupied with what other people think. Like Harishri said, until she didn't go away to university, it didn't hit her that she didn't need to think about other people's moods before making her own decision. And I know how many messages I get from people after listening to these podcasts about coming out of that and thinking, oh yeah, it took me a really long time to realize that I'm allowed to make my own decisions and make my own choices. And that's very common in people pleasers where you're just so obsessed and preoccupied with what other people think that you don't have an, your own voice or you can't really trust your gut because you don't listen to it. Number three, you feel 
feel guilty when you do tell people no. I know I'm a victim of that. I know that even for something as little as somebody asking me to help them out, even if I don't have the capacity to, I feel guilty if I say no. Because again, I think it's my responsibility to ease the situation out. Number four, you fear that turning people down will make them think that you are mean or selfish. And I cannot tell you how many times I have felt selfish for saying no or for turning people down. And again, that comes from your childhood upbringing where you had to abandon yourself to take care of people. And Harishri, I really want your input on this because I feel like our culture makes a big deal out of sacrificing. You're considered the bad person. You're considered selfish for taking care of yourself instead of being a person who's just giving and giving and sacrificing all in the world. Self-care, mental health. These are all very unknown concepts because in our culture, things that you can't see don't exist. So this will take time to remove, but definitely important to recognize that. Mm -hmm. Number five, you agree to things you don't like or do things that you don't want to do. Number six, you struggle with feelings of low self-esteem. And this is a no-brainer. It's sort of like the sequential step of people-pleasing. If all you've done in your life is abandon your gut, not listen to your gut, and only react to what other people are saying or doing, you obviously won't have much of a sense of self. Like Harishri mentioned, she was abandoning her innate nature to please her father. And she felt like there was a void. She felt like something was missing. And, you know, that does tie down to self-esteem because you don't have the experiences that you want to have to learn about yourself, to do things for yourself. My worth became based on the fact that how my parents view me, what they think about me, if I'm being a good child, like if I'm following what they wanted from me Mm -hmm. and your ability to feel good about yourself becomes dependent on conditional things. It becomes dependent on the fact that are they going to love me still? Are they going to care for me still? And these feelings that no child should ever have to Mm -hmm. think about, but they were things that we had to think about and affected your self-confidence. You started trying to see that validation from other people outside. Mm A hundred percent. And that's exactly it. Number seven is you want people to like you and feel that doing things for them will earn their approval. You're constantly chasing somebody's approval. You're constantly chasing somebody's response to you, somebody's love for you, somebody's approval. And that's an exhausting thing. And you will never get there because somebody will always be um, displeased with what you do. Not everyone is ever going to like what you do in life. Not everyone is going to be happy with your decisions, Mm -hmm. including your own parents. They might not even be happy. Like some people's parents are still unhappy with their career choices, right? Mm -hmm. Even if they're successful. Does it outweigh the fact that this actually makes you genuinely happy? Yeah. Definitely. And there's a very, and it's kind of morbid, but at the end of the day, you're all you've got. So if you're not happy in a certain career, well, it's going to be you that's going to be working those hours. It's going to be you having kids with somebody like it's your life. You're the one that's actually going to live the ins and outs and daily, you know, occurrences with this thing. So you, you should be happy for those things. Number eight, you're always telling people you're sorry. And now there's a difference between being somebody who's overly apologetic and being somebody who takes the blame when something isn't their fault, just to, again, please the situation, to ease out the tension. And like you mentioned, like these common signs have chronic, like long-term impacts, become like a mini version of your parents yeah. and their qualities, but amplified because now you have the ability to recognize not only what they do, but now you perpetuate these things in your own relationships. Yeah. You then become a people pleaser in your own relationships and then you use the same manipulation tactics to control the outcome of your situation yeah. this is something that i also did 
So when I didn't realize what I was doing, I would try to ignore people to try to get them to see why I was mad at them. But I wouldn't communicate that. I would just ignore them. And this silent treatment, I remember was, I felt so bad as a child. And then I realized I'm doing this to other people as well. I'm ignoring them just so they know how I feel. And Mm -hmm. how is that going to help the situation further? It's just going to perpetuate this like manipulation. You're you're not letting anyone have your love because you just want to ignore them to control the outcome. And that's manipulation. That's right. bad. So we really have to correct these things to, re- to realize that these are things that are passed down from your yeah. parents. And the first step is to realize that. And the second step is to realize that you will become a people pleaser too mm-hmm. if you don't make things in your own hands and kind of realize that you have tendencies to react in certain ways because of the way that things happen to you. Like I said, like hurt can can cause more hurt. And if you don't heal that hurt, you will inflict the same strategies on someone else. And then they would also perpetuate those things. It's a very common, yeah, there's a common saying that if you don't heal from what cut you, you will bleed on those who didn't hurt you. So you may not have liked what happened to you as a kid. You may not have liked getting the silent treatment, but here you are now doing those same things. And like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all of that didn't exist in our parents' generation. So I guess they had some sort of an excuse to not know that that was abnormal. But we do have access. We do have, you know, access to self-help books and Instagram and social media and all these topics that can help us realize the flaws that we hold. And the thing is, like, people will press on your wounds. So you have to make sure that you've healed those parts of you so that you're not reacting the same way that you used to. And I really like the point that you said that, you know, as a kid, I didn't like it. And that's a great way of bringing awareness for yourself is put yourself back into you know, being that kid who got a silent treatment or being the kid who saw some violent tendencies in their family and think back to how you felt because that is a great window into developing compassion and empathy for other people and not taking it out on other people. We don't have any control about what the other person does and we can't use that to justify our own actions. You cannot Mm -hmm. justify your own tendencies to manipulate other people just because it's been done to you or other people do it to you. You embody your own self. So by perpetuating the same things that have been done to you, Mm -hmm. you're no less different from your parents. You have to realize that if you want to become different from them, if you want to become a better person than them, because that's what this is, is, right? Healing generational trauma. We're trying to heal from what's been done to us. This is the first step. It's trying to recognize the fact that I can't do what's been done to me. It's really hard. It's really easy to snap Mm -hmm. back those tendencies and do the same thing that's been done to you because this has been taught to you as a kid, right? Yeah that like love is conditional, but trying to fix those things. So like the future generations don't perpetuate these things is huge. Mm -hmm. And it's up to this generation to figure out how we can do that. Yeah. Let's talk about what you can do about your situation because the generational trauma has been done. Now what? Number one is realizing the harsh reality that people pleasing is not being nice. Okay. You have to take out that idea that sacrificing yourself and being a people pleaser is the way to get love. It is a way for you to manipulate people. It is a way for you to attempt to control the outcome through performative actions. So that is step one is realizing that what you're doing is wrong. People pleasing is not being nice. Number two is realizing that you're going to let someone down at some point. If you are the type of person who cannot stand up to their parents, I will tell you that their main goal in life is to see you happy. 
So if that means letting them down temporarily, but then you actually ending up in the career that you want or marrying the person that you want or living the life that you want and you're happy with that, I promise you they will get over it and they will forgive you. Think about your worst mistake. Think about the biggest goof up that you had. Chances are you're here and you're okay. So life goes on and they get over it and you will let them down. But guess what? As long as you're happy, the people who love you want to see you happy. So you you won't be upsetting them in the long run if you do things for yourself. Number two, like I said, saying no does not mean that you are selfish. You have to give up this notion. It's being self-full. It's attending to your needs because you cannot pour from an empty cup. So I think this comes back to the fact that like we have a childhood reflex to do this. Whenever we try to fix things in our families or try to fix things with our parents, we always wanted to kind of give, give and give, but we didn't have anything to give from. We were mentally drained. I became mentally drained in high school. You become resentful, you become angry, you have these negative emotions taking up that space. I got like mental health issues from this, right? Like I I had a void. This basically just taught me that you can't keep pouring Mm -hmm. empty cup. You have to heal first. There's nothing wrong with saying no. There's nothing wrong with putting yourself first. Self-care. I know it's a very unknown concept and our parents didn't do self-care. So (laughs) I feel sometimes to this day when I do self-care, like when I do skincare or try to like journal, my mom's like, what are you doing? What is this stuff? We didn't do this kind of stuff. That's the point. We're trying to do this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we can heal from the things that you guys have like placed onto us. So yeah. it's very important to put yourself first, put, always put your own happiness first, because at the end of the day, like you said, it sounds morbid, but you're, you, you're all you got. Yeah. And you can either live with the decision that you've made because of your parents, or you can live with the decision that you've ultimately made because of your own happiness, what you wanted to do, what you see yourself in your life. And it's not to say that they won't influence you. And it's not to say that you need to go rogue and just put yourself first and never think about anybody else. That's not the point. The point is don't react out of the need of getting other people's approval or love. Again, it's like you're also trying to prime an environment for them where it is acceptable to take care of yourself. And we can't entirely blame them either because that's what they were taught. But you can take the responsibility of showing them that taking care of yourself is good, right? It's creating that environment and normalizing that environment. And it's also important to realize that like our parents inherently came from a different country. Yeah. Right. They moved. Many of us are immigrants or immigrant yeah. families. And it was really hard for them to move from one country to another, giving up their family back home. Yeah. And they really want to uphold these like heritage and their roots. Yeah. But some of the things that come with roots and heritage also come with the bad. And so it's important for us to educate mm-hmm. and raise awareness for them and try to understand where they come from as well. So I want to get into some actual tactics because I know how many times I've heard people speak very broadly and in abstract manner and it's like, okay, but what do I do about this? So think back to some of the common signs that we discussed earlier. We're going to address some of those things with actual tactics that you can apply in your life to move away from somebody who's a people pleaser. I will preface this, that this does not happen overnight. It's it's a slow unfold, but you have to start somewhere. One of the things that people pleasers, like I mentioned earlier, struggle with the most is saying no. And you will not go from somebody who says yes all the time to somebody who suddenly only says no. It will cause a lot of guilt. It will cause a lot of feelings of doubt. And it it won't be an easy transition for you. You need to do something that you can actually uphold and slowly make your way into that no. And starting with that is a classic corporate lingo, which is let me get back to you. What you're doing here is you're not saying yes, but you're also not saying no. 
And the key is that you are not rushing into a decision, which is something that people pleasers resort to in order to ease out the situation as quickly as possible. You would abandon yourself immediately and attend the situation and make things okay. So when you say, let me get back to you, I want you to take that time to think about, do I have the capacity to deal with this, to actually attend to this? Do I have the skills to attend to this? Am I feeling emotionally neutral enough to actually help this out? Am I drowning? And if I'm drowning, I need to learn how to swim first before I can come and get help for you. So start off with, let me get back to you. See where you can use that term in your day-to-day occurrences. Delay that response. Number two, replace I can't with I don't. We used to say I can't because we were referring to our parents. You know, I can't come out today. I can't do this. I can't do that because my parents said so. My, you know, siblings said so. It was a way of you conforming to the power that they held over you. When you start transitioning into I don't, you're training your brain to get into the habit of making decisions for yourself. You're saying I'm deciding. No, it's not that somebody has somebody else has decided this for me. It's I'm deciding. No. And that just honestly, all it does is trains your brain to say, oh, I can make my own decisions. Oh, I can trust my gut. I started replacing certain terms in my life me saying, can I go out to, I'm going out. Yeah. Replacing the can't with the don't makes a huge difference. And it kind of establishes a sense of dominance and power. Number three, stop overly apologizing. And I know that can be difficult. I know that it is your inherent nature, almost your reflex to say, sorry, 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 and ease out the situation. Replace it with thank yous, though. You know, don't say, oh, I'm so, so sorry for not being able to attend to this. I'm so, so sorry. Replace it with thank you for being patient with me. And, you know, thank you for waiting up on me. Or don't start by saying sorry, sorry, sorry. Because what that does is that it trains your brain to always assume that you're at fault and you're responsible. And that's something that we want to work away from. And lastly, number four is, like I mentioned, the thing with people pleasing is that it starts off as something you do to survive. But if it becomes something that you then perpetuate into the future, you become a manipulator. And the way to stop that and nip that in the bud is the next time you have this need to give somebody else the silent treatment, to evoke an emotion in them, for them to come for you the way you have gone to other people when they've given you the silent treatment. Think back to how you felt when you were a kid and you received those treatments. It is so important for you to reunite with that child in you because you'll get to the root of that issue. And if you don't get to the root of the issue, you could be 25 with the mindset of an eight-year-old. You've obviously been experiencing these things since you were a child. So it still continues to this day. And there's going to be some days where I feel stuck or experience the same physical sensation that's inherently stuck in my tissues. But like you mentioned, try to get more perspective, try to realize and think Try to press on that wound as a window into your past. Yeah. Um, And that's exactly what I do where I either talk to you guys, like my friends, I get to you, or I use positive coping mechanisms instead of repressing my anger. Yeah. Try to get in touch with your mindfulness because by giving someone else power to control your emotions, you're losing your own power Mm -hmm. in the process. Definitely. And I really like that you said be aware of what you're feeling, label it, label that emotion. Don't just go, oh, this is just how it always is. No, what is always how it is? What are you feeling? Are you feeling abandoned? Are you feeling ignored? Are you feeling like somebody's not listening to you? Label it so that you can actually address it. And remember, like, this is going to take time. You're healing your inner child and this is not going to happen overnight. I said no to my parents today. My relationship. <laughs> It was fixed. Um, this issue is tra- generational. Like, like we mentioned, it's been passed down from your parents and their parents and their parents. And 
it's like, where are you going to try to change it? Like their parents or like the parents before then? Where do you start? (laughs) Oh, I think the most important thing is try not to focus more on them and try to focus on this is more of a you thing. Anything that is external to you is always going to be conditional to an extent. So the key is not, let me see if I can change my parents, but see if you can change your own thought processes about how you feel about yourself and whether, why do you still need that love from other people? You know, what are, what are you lacking within yourself that requires you to run to someone else? And all changes change, right? Yeah. Even if it's changed from you or if it changed from your out, outside environment, does not matter. At the end of the day, you're changing yourself. But if you change nothing, nothing will change. That's, that's what you have to remember. Well, you know, this brings me to the end of this episode. And like we said throughout this episode, the issues are in your tissues. You know, your childhood sets the precedence for your future. And if you don't address your childhood traumas, it will turn into adulthood drama. It was not your fault, but it is absolutely your responsibility to ensure that that doesn't turn into some sort of adulthood drama. 